discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Origination is number one. Number two, we are now on number two. We are going up to number 15. Number two is righteousness. Let me explain righteousness, okay? Hallelujah. Righteousness. The other terms. So I said there are many terms, right? So I've just defined origination with all the terms that are in origination. Predestination, preordination, election, uh, foreknowledge, all those things. They are all in origination. All those things happened in eternity. In origination. Okay? So the first thing after origination which is the foundation of salvation. Remember, we are defining terms of salvation, not terms of creation. We are defining terms of salvation. The first thing that is the foundation of our salvation, which is the, which is the gospel. The, you see, the gospel is the source of our salvation. Do you know that? If the gospel is not preached, you will not be saved. How shall they be saved unless there be a preacher? How shall they be believed unless there be a preacher? Romans chapter 10, right? Okay, so the first thing there is righteousness righteousness let's read psalm psalm 89 verse 14 sometimes we think that our salvation is based on god's love or god's mercy or god's grace our salvation is not based on god's love neither is it based on god's mercy neither is it based on because they are fault with all of them i'm going to give you some scenarios and you see that oh if it was based on love then there will be a problem. If it was based on mercy, then it will have a problem. But it is based on something called righteousness. Okay? Righteousness. Righteousness is God's, is God's judicial rightness. God's judicial rightness. God is right. And it is the foundation of God's throne. When we say righteousness, we are talking about God's ability to be right. God, how many of you know God is right? If God says, this is a tree, this will become a tree. He's right. He can never be wrong. So if God says this is, on, this is not right, it is not right. Uh-huh. So Psalm 89 verse 14. Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne. Mercy and truth shall go before thy face. Let's read the Amplified of this. You understand it very well. Amplified. Read it to me. One, two, go. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Throne represents administration. How many of you know that throne represents administration? A king sits on a throne, isn't it? When he sits on his throne, that is where he, he gives his judgment. Kings don't give their judgment in their bedrooms. They have to come and sit on their throne with their counsel around them. Then they give their judgment. They give their decree. The decrees are given on the throne. So the throne signifies uh, administration, dispensation. Okay. God administering something. That's why in our offices, we have chairs in our office. The office is not the person. The office is a room somewhere with a chair there. 
That is why when they are when they were making the new Pentecost chairman, the chairman, when they were making the chairman, they handed a lot of things over to him. The final thing was that he was talking to the chair of the former Church of Pentecost chairman, and they sat him down three times on the chair. Because the chair represents the administration of, of Pentecost, Church of Pentecost. I hope you understand. The presidency, even in our own thing, in the president's chair is sitting in parliament. I don't know if you know that the president's chair is sitting in parliament. His administration hails from the parliament. So the day he's made president, they take him. That was why we were making so much noise concerning whether they should do it in parliament or they should do it on the Jubilee Park or whatever. You remember? Uh, Independence Square, whatever. I mean, we were going all over. But the, so long as the chair can be moved, it's okay. When the chair is moved and brought here, it can function. He just, just has to sit on that chair. It's a, it's a symbol of his administration. So God's throne, God's chair that he sits on, has two foundations. The foundation is righteousness and justice. God is so inflexible in his righteousness and his justice. Do you understand inflexible? Have you seen someone who is chinchene before? God is chinchene. Say God is chinchene. God is chinchene when it comes to justice and righteousness. He's chinchene. Go to Exodus chapter 31. Let me show you something. Moses was praying that God would show himself to him. Show me your glory and all that. Guess what happened when God revealed himself to Moses? Exodus chapter 34, from verse 6. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed. So God was giving himself, letting Moses know his name. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. This is what the Lord is. Have you seen it? He's what? Merciful and gracious. Long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. This is who he is. Have you seen it? Next verse. Keeping mercy for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Have you seen it? That's how he is. He forgives iniquity and transgression and sin. Then he says, and that will, no, will by no means. He will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, and the third, unto the third and to the fourth generation. That's how he is. He is good, he's gracious, he's kind, he's merciful. But if you are guilty, he says, and he will by no means, you can't beg him to clear the guilty. You can't lie on the floor to clear the Forget, if you are guilty, you are guilty. Because he's a judge. He's good, he's nice, but when you are guilty, tell me about when you are guilty. You are guilty. He is changing when it comes because that's the foundation of his throne. Without that, he, is, he does not qualify to sit on that throne. The foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice, not mercy. Righteousness and justice. So if he's going to forgive, his forgiveness must be based on justice and righteousness, not based on mercy. He cannot say, I'm having mercy on you. So that's it. No, that doesn't work for him. He shall, when the guy is guilty, mercy cannot override the guy's guiltiness. He shall by no means clear the guilty. Uh-huh. So our salvation was not based on mercy. It was based on justice and God's righteousness. God's judicial rightness. Now, if you understand this, eh, you'll be free from a lot of foolishness. You'll be very fine. You'll be surprised. All the fear that you have that God will, God will live your life for you, God will, it's all you. So, I've defined righteousness for you and how inflexible God is in his justice. Isn't it? Now, 
I want you to know that the gospel that we preach is the revelation of the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Romans 1 16. The gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. The rightness, the judicial rightness of God. So if you are talking about the, the gospel, we must understand this particular thing. So I want us to look at it. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. This is Paul talking. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Next verse. For therein. Say for therein. Therein where? For in the gospel. For therein. In the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As written, the just shall live by faith. How is it? So the, the gospel reveals the rightness or the righteousness of God. That is actually the gospel. It's important. If you understand this, your exams will not be a problem. Because you can be approaching your exams and saying that, hey, Peter, I've not been good to God. Will God help me in this exam? You don't understand righteousness. That's why you're asking that question. And that's why it will not work for you because your mind is not correct. Your mind is not correct. Even though God is wanting to help you, your mind says that God will not help me because I shared I, I, I something in Tampe five weeks ago. I did this. I did an abortion. I did one. I did So, I don't think that this one, I'm on my, I'm on my own. I'm learning. I'm learning on my own. That's why you have mental constipation in the exam hall. <laughs> so in the gospel, the gospel is the revelation. It brings out, it reveals God's righteousness. That's what the gospel is. The gospel reveals God's righteousness. That he's right. Okay? Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 21. Same thing. The gospel is the revelation of the righteousness. Same thing. So this is also another verse that confirms that particular statement. But now, the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Is what? Manifested or revealed. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Being spoken of by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. So the gospel reveals God's righteousness. I've mentioned it's the foundation of God's stone and all that. Okay? The next point is that the cross of Christ reveals God's judicial rightness. The cross of Christ reveals God's judicial rightness. Not his mercy. Not his mercy. Let me give you a story. Before the story, let's read Romans chapter 3, verse 25 to 26. Romans chapter 3, 25 to 26. He's talking about Jesus. He says, Jesus whom God set for to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. To declare... His righteousness. So Jesus' hanging on the cross was a declaration of God's righteousness for the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Verse 26. I'll explain it to you, don't worry. To declare, Jesus hanging on the cross was for the purpose of declaring, to declare at this time his righteousness, so that he, God, might be just. And the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Now, this is what it means. If I gave you a house because I love you, you are the son of my love. So I decide that we are not biologically related, but I decide I'm going to give you a house. I'm giving you a five bedroom house with a two bedroom house outside with a swimming pool, a play area, a gym, with a study room, with um, people, four maid servants. Five security people and two attendants serving you throughout. You won't buy food again in your life. 
all your food is taken care of because you have a farm. I've provided a farm for you as well. That will be bringing you banana, fresh, everything. Fresh banana, fresh cassava, fresh yam, fresh cocoa yam, fresh yogurt. Hallelujah. Everything is yours. Okay? So we, we, I, give, I do that for you. I've done that for you. Say thank you. Okay. Now, after three months, you go and take my girlfriend. That I'm preparing to marry. I come and catch her in your house on the bed I bought for you. On my bed. What will you think will happen to you? Pastor, you disown me. You collect everything that you did for me or bought for me. You see what's in his mind? I'll, call, I'll do it. I'll collect every. I'll put him back in the gutter straight. After all that I did for you, is that what you are doing to me? This, is, this qualifies to be a Nigerian movie. You are going straight to the gutter, straight. No cap, no bed. Isn't it? Uh-huh. This is the reason why God's righteousness, the gospel, is not based on love. Because it is, if it is based on love, when you do something wrong, you will think that it is finished. Because I can throw you out. In God's mind, if it's just love, in God's mind, it doesn't have a problem. I did it for you. No matter what you have done, I, did, I gave it to you. So even though God may not be thinking that he's going to throw you out, even though I may not be thinking I'm going to throw you out because of what you did, you will automatically pack out. You will pack out without me having to ask because of your guilt. Is it true? That is why the foundation is not based on love. Because if it is based on love, you will, you will think your mind will worry you. Because you did something wrong or the other. You think I will take everything away from you. Even though I don't have that in my mind. No matter how much I explain it to you, you will not accept it. You will not. I love you and you wrong me. So you leave. So it cannot be based on love. The second example. One day, Reverend George was on his way somewhere. I'll give you three examples. The first one is concerning the love. The second one is concerning mercy. The third one is concerning justice and righteousness. Okay? I've given the one. Remember that one. I'm trying to make it very simple for you. Reverend George was on his way somewhere and someone's car, an old man and an old woman's car bumped into his car. They came to bump his, the back and the, all the back got, you know, broken. Pastor 2 was the one, it was Pastor two's car, it was the one driving. So he got down. When he got down, the old man just came out and came to kneel down right for him. I beg you, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Old man kneeling down, begging you. What will you do? You have lost some money, but this one, ah. So Pastor Tru just said, oh, please, don't worry. You sit back in your car and go away. Oh, you can go, please. Did the guy deserve the mercy? Can, can the guy demand the mercy? Can he demand from pastor? Listen, if you don't have mercy on me, you will see what will happen to you. You see where power lies. I'll destroy family. I'll do this. Who is wrong? You are wrong. And the mercy is solely dependent on pastor. It's solely dependent on him. It's according to his discretion. So if we were forgiven by mercy, and if we were forgiven by, if our righteousness is by mercy, the mercy of God, you can't demand it. 
Are you understanding? You can't demand, you can't stand before God and say, hey, God, you must have mercy on me. You must forgive me or else what I will do to you. It doesn't even make sense. You don't know, you wouldn't know whether he has really had mercy on you when he says go. Are you understanding? Your conscience will still have a problem. Please, you understand? That's the second story. The third story is like this. Same Pastor Tim and Reverend George were on their way to Cape Coast to go and preach. Just around Mankasim. His bumper, Pastor Tim's bumper, supernaturally removed, shoot, like that, and got into someone else's coming vehicle's uh, windscreen and burst the windscreen, cracked it. The one sitting in the car was a queen mother of a certain town. Very hard. Who knows her rights in life? So she said that, listen, so they all stopped. Pastor Tuk came and said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, listen, sorry will not do anything. I need my car the way it was now. Now, 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 now. Get it for me now. They only were to go and preach in Cape Coast. They were late to go and preach. The woman said, no. Let's go to Accra. Fix my windscreen for me before I will let you go. So Pasato had to drive back from Mankesim to Accra and go and fix the woman's windscreen, everything. Pay, pay, pay. pay for everything for it to be in its original state before the woman allowed her to go. Hallelujah. The third one, you see the story, you are sad. The woman is changing it. That is how God is. God is like the woman. When you sin, the sin of Adam had to be paid for. He couldn't do anything about it. You have to pay for it. He has to pay for it. Change name. In the Old Testament, our forgiveness was based on the first one, the messy type. So the people will come and come and beg God, oh God, forgive us. And God will cover their sin for one year. He has not forgotten, no, because his throne is the throne of justice. He has not forgotten, but he still have covered it for one year. Then we'll go, uh, their conscience will break them and say, ah, this guy, he has not really forgiven us. Let's come back. Then they'll come back after one year and come and give another sacrifice. God is okay, I've had mercy on you. He'll cover it. One year. Then we'll go and come. Like, that was how it was in the Old Testament. But the new, our New Testament forgiveness is based on the last one, the justice of God. The fact that, fourth story, let me give you another story so I can understand it very well. The fourth story is a headmaster who gave a rule that anybody, there were so many vases in the school, anybody who breaks the vase, okay, or the flower pot, will pay $800. And this was 70 years ago, a Chinese school. You will pay $800 for breaking one. That was what the, the headmaster said. You pay. And the headmaster is super chinchini. I mean, you can't do anything about what he has said. So they were asking him, so what if your own son breaks the vase? What will you do? He will pay. That was what he said. My son will pay. Then they asked him, what if your son cannot pay? No matter what, your son cannot pay. If my son cannot pay, then what I'll do is that I'll cash $800 from my account and pay for my son. Isn't it? That was exactly what God did. Man bash God's car. And God's car is such that you must fix it immediately you bash it. No matter where you are going, come and fix it. But man could not fix it. So God decided that I will fix it myself. I will provide a child. I will provide my son 
I'll give myself so that myself will pay for the demand of justice. Now, it is only in pain for that particular thing that you have broken, that God will be righteous. Because if God decides to forgive his son because it's his son, what do you think those he has not forgiven in time past will say? Those who broke, about five people broke their vases. They all paid the $800. It means you are becoming partial. Favoritism is going on. So you are not justice. You are not just. You are not righteous. Are you getting it? Uh-huh. So for God to be able to help humanity, he had to bring Jesus. He had to bring himself to come and pay for the sin. Because no matter what, he cannot let the guilty go free. The guilty must pay. And man was guilty. So man had to pay. And the only way for him to pay was for God to come as man and come and die on the cross. So when you see the cross, the cross is an expression of the justice of God and an expression of the rightness of God. God is right in punishing Christ. And guess what? Christ even paid more than was owed. Jesus paid more than was owed. He overpaid. The act of God bringing his son to us is called his love. God bringing his son to us is called his love. It is his love that provided his son. For God so loved the world, that's why he gave his only begotten son. But the foundation of our forgiveness is not based on the provision of the son. The foundation of our, of our salvation is based on the crucifixion of the son. Punishing him. So what is righteousness? Righteousness is God's inability to let go <laughs> of what is wrong. But to be just, irrespective of who it is that has done the wrong including man, who was the price of his wife. He still had to die for his wife. You see, Adam died with his wife, but Jesus came to die for his wife. And Adam decided that, okay, if he was partaking of it, let's die together. But Jesus came to come and die for us. I hope you understand. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So, the way that woman was, letting them go back to her care, that's how God is. You can't read any about it. Thank God for Jesus. So right now, now that you are born again, you see, so you have accepted what Christ did on the cross. Because you have accepted what Christ did on the cross, uh, the judgment of God is not going to come to you again because it has been done in Christ already. Okay, go back to verse 25. Let me explain this to you once again. The demand of justice was that someone must pay. Something must be paid. And Jesus came to come and pay, overpay the penalty of sin. Okay? God's love, grace, and mercy gave us Christ. But his righteousness was demonstrated on the cross of Christ. Jesus overpaid the debt of sin. God will be unjust. Now, let's, let's explain that to you now. This one. So he says, Jesus, let's read from verse 23. From verse 23. For all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. Isn't it? Because all have sinned, they're in trouble. They have to pay $800. But they can't pay. So God pays the $800. Being justified, he says, because all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God, he sent Jesus to come and come and die. So that being justified, to be justified means to be declared not guilty. So right now we have been declared not guilty freely by his grace. Through the redemption, the next point, the next thing to explain is redemption. So I'll explain redemption to you. Redemption means to buy back. There are four kinds of redemption. Agorazo, ex-agorazo, lutro, apolutrosis. Four levels, different levels. And they all, every, Jesus fulfilled every one of them. Including the, la- the last one is Apollutros, which is the salvation, the redemption of our body. Even that one, he has secured it. Can you imagine? Jesus has over, he has paid that to eternity. To, it's like someone owing 
uh, one million dollars, and then you come and you say you want to pay the one million dollars. But instead of paying one million dollars, you pay hundred trillion dollars. It means that guy can continue to owe more. Isn't it? He can just continue owe more, owe more. I don't mind, owe more. That's how Jesus came to pay more than enough. He overpaid it. So it says being declared freely, being declared not guilty freely by his grace. Through it was through the redemption, the buying back that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus bought us back from the marketplace of sin, the marketplace of slavery. In those times, there were markets for selling slaves. Okay, there were markets, Agorazo. It was there was a market for selling slaves. Now, for slaves we bought, come. For slaves we bought. I'm the one selling the slave. Please come. You are the buyer. He's a slave. He's the buyer. The first thing that happens for us to check whether this slave is qualified for us to buy is for him to be punched till he bleeds. So they start punching his face. So the owner, the owner cannot do it. So he will hire somebody, a strong man. Very strong man. Hallelujah. To beat him and check if any of his tooth will fall off. If none of his teeth falls off, then it means that he's very strong. They'll beat him. With punches, so beat you are. The next test to see if he is a correct slave is to rain abusive words on him to check his emotional stability. It will start. Your modest, modest mother. And they'll, they'll insult him. And check and see if he will react. If he doesn't react, it means that he's a correct slave. Then he can be bought. This is what Jesus delivered us from. He bought us from the slave market of sin. Hallelujah. I think we should be grateful to God. You may take your seats. Thank you. So it says, being declared freely, declared not guilty freely by his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Next verse, verse 25. Whom God Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be a propitiation. The word propitiation is mercy seat. God set him forth as a mercy seat. Through faith in his blood. The mercy seat, you see, on the mercy seat there, two things happened in front of the mercy seat or on the mercy seat. God made the priest put one spot of blood on the mercy seat. But in front of the mercy seat were seven spots. You, you have to sprinkle the, the blood seven times in front of him. The mercy seat was where God used to sit. God needs only one blood to remind him that he has forgiven you. But you, the priests and the church of Israel, needed seven times, seven blood sprinkling to appease their conscience that God has really forgiven them for that one year. But Jesus' blood was set for once and for all. That was the price. He says, whom God has set for to be a proposition through faith in his blood, for what purpose? To declare his righteousness. The sacrificing of Jesus' blood is for the purpose of declaring God's righteousness. God's inflexible righteousness. They did wrong, I punished them. No devil heart out of hell can say anything about it. Because Jesus, God punished the devils. He punished the devils, he punished the devil himself for doing wrong. Are you getting it? Because they, they went against his law. But when he came to us, he decided that he would sacrifice for us. What Lucifer did is not different from what Adam did. Same thing. He did the same thing, same as the comments. High treason. High treason is punishable by death. So if God decides I'm going to forgive these people by mercy and by love, sit down, come and say, You. Is that how you are? See your face. When we did the same thing, look at what you did. There will be a continuous revolt. God cannot judge. If God to be able to judge and maintain his justice, 
and maintain his righteousness. He had to do something. And what he did was that he came to die himself. And received the punishment that Satan is supposed to receive. Satan's punishment is to go to hell and to go into the lake of fire. Jesus has done all of that. And he has come out. But when Satan goes there, he can't come out. Hallelujah. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. That is wiping away once and for all. Okay? Remission of sins is against... Uh, the other side is what? The covering of sins. Remission of sins is taking it away completely. Atonement. Remission of sins is against atonement. Atonement was covering once every one year. But remission is clearing once for all. From eternity past to eternity future. Our sins. Hallelujah. Through the forbearance of God. Next verse. Verse 26. To declare. He crucified Christ. To declare. Christ was crucified. To declare at this time his righteousness. Have you seen it? So that he might be just. So that God might be just. So Jesus' death on the cross is a declaration of God's justice. I'm just. Look at what I've done to this guy. I've killed him. I've punished him. And I've taken him to hell. Just like I did to these guys. And because that has been done, these people are free. They are guiltless because he died on their behalf. That is God's justice. So our forgiveness is based on the justice and the righteousness of God. The payment, the overpayment of Christ and his blood is what our forgiveness is based on. Not on mercy. Not on love. Not on grace. Remember, grace must rule through righteousness, isn't it? Yes. Grace must rule through righteousness. Grace cannot rule unless righteousness comes first. So the grace we are receiving, the grace we are walking in now, is because someone has been punished for it. There's been a payment for it. So you are not enjoying grace because God likes you. You are enjoying grace because God has judged somebody already. There's God's justice has been proclaimed already. Please, are you understanding? Uh-huh. So there are two words or two scriptures that we need to examine concerning righteousness. After the word righteousness is God's rightness. He, this is God's, I mean, Charlie, the guy, he's finishing it. He has to punish. Okay? The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. Let's examine 1 Corinthians 1, 30. Then we'll examine 2 Corinthians 5, 21. What do we mean when we say Christ is my righteousness? Do you understand righteousness now? What is righteousness? God's word. Judicial rightness. God's justice. The foundation of God's throne. God's inability to look away from wrong. He has to punish it. That's God's righteousness. Can you imagine? So when we say... Look at the scripture. It says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In there somewhere is righteousness. So you can read it this way. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us righteousness. So, Jesus is our righteousness. What it means is that our righteousness is not dependent on our conduct. Our righteousness is a person. Who is that person? Jesus. Not your conduct, because your conduct may fail. And you've noticed your conduct always fails. Have you realized? So your rightness before God is not based on your conduct, because your conduct may fail. Your rightness before God, God is not saying that, okay, when Pastor Kobe does this and does that, does that I will not forgive him. God cannot say that. If God says he will not forgive you, then it means that he's not just. Ah, the thing has been punished already. Why are you saying that you don't forgive the guy for? For what? 
How can this be compared to the punishment you gave to this guy? It cannot be compared. Please, you understand? So your forgiveness, when you do something wrong and you're asking for forgiveness, your forgiveness is not based on your conduct or based on your forgiveness. You see, God is unrighteous to decide not to forgive you. First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we sin and we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just. His forgiveness is based on his justice and his faithfulness. Are you understanding? So God can, if God decides that he's going to take you to hell, he is in trouble. It's called the law of double jeopardy. Judging one case twice. Don't do it like that. That is how your righteousness is. It's a very serious thing. These are the things John Wesley preached. Righteousness. It's based on, it's not based on your conduct. If it was your conduct, you would be gone by now. It's a person. So when you say Christ is my righteousness, what you are saying is that Christ is instead of me. I am not seen as me. I am seen as Christ. And in Christ, there's no sin. In Christ, there's no problem. In Christ, there's no, there's no judgment. He's, he's been judged. And you are in Christ. So God, God will be unjust. That's why it says that he might be just and the justifier. Hmm? God must be just. He did that. He crucified Christ so that he might be just. I remember Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth. So that he might be just. God might be just. He's just. He's done what he's supposed to do. And the justifier of all those who believe in Christ through faith. Go back to that place. Romans chapter, uh, chapter 3 verse 26. To declare, I see at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Have you believed in Jesus? Then he's the justifier. He's the one who declares you not guilty. Because he has declared you not guilty in Christ, he cannot come back and come and say that because Chumwa did this and this and that. Satan come for her. As soon as God says that God is in trouble, the foundation of his throne is turned upside down and all of the universe will go in in chaos because he decided he would not forgive you. So God cannot see that he will not forgive you. Can you imagine? God intentionally put him in, himself in that corner. That's what God has said. So Christ is my righteousness. It means that my righteousness is not by my, 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 my conduct. My righteousness is a person. When my conduct fails, that person never fails. Your conduct may fail, but that person never fails. Jesus never fails. And that is my righteousness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say Christ is my righteousness. Do you understand it now? Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my declaration of justification. I'm justified because of him. Not because of my conduct. but because. So my righteousness life is not dependent on my conduct. My righteousness life is dependent on a person. It's called Christ. So that's why we don't grow in righteousness. You are born right in Christ. So we don't grow in righteousness. Because our righteousness is a person. Please you understand? The other one is in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. 2 Corinthians 5 21. For he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the other one is the righteousness of God in him. We being the righteousness of God in Christ. The first one is Christ my righteousness. So there are two declarations. It's not the same. There are two different things. When I say Christ my righteousness, what I mean is that Christ is the expression of my righteousness. My righteousness is that person, called Christ. Not my conduct, but that person, called Christ. Why is it like that? Why, why is Christ my righteousness? Why should Christ my righteousness rather boost your faith and boost your 
your knowledge concerning your gratitude in God and not boost your foolishness because I said it's not dependent on your conduct. I understand what I'm saying? Someone will hear this and say, Oh, it's not my conduct, though. It's Jesus. Sister, After all, it's not me. It's Christ. The reason why Christ is our righteousness is to help our confidence before God. Because sometimes you can be before you can you can you are talking to God, then the devil bring your past to your mind. Have you seen Sam You bring your past to your mind. Do you remember? So initially you're praying like this. They will talk to you. Do you remember yesterday? He just nullifies you. Now, no matter what you did in time past, no matter what you did in the past, makes no difference. When you stand before God, talk to him as you're supposed to because you are qualified to stand before him and talk to him because of that person called Christ. You understand? Uh-huh. Not to continue in foolishness. This is to make you grateful. You should know that someone's blood is because of someone's blood that you are standing here and that you can talk freely and be able to worship. Don't take it for granted. Don't say, hey, blood, no, here, oh, the blood is there forever. So let's just move around and do whatever. It means that you are not grateful. You are an ungrateful steward. You are, you are an ungrateful bastard. That is what you are. And when it comes to rewards, and on the purpose of on the basis of sanctification, your, because your conduct affects your sanctification, and hence your destiny. That is why it affects you, not on your righteousness, but it affects you on your destiny. Your destiny, you just meander your destiny off like that because of your foolish conduct. Aye. You know, Judas was chosen to be part of the twelve, have his name on the twelve foundations of, of the New Jerusalem, but he missed it because of his foolish conduct. Because he decided that money was more important than his destiny. So he sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And he fought his pesos. Jesus was his pesos. And he lost, his, he lost his place. So when we start talking about sanctification, I'll talk about your conduct. I'll talk about your sanctification in your progression. Okay? That one is different. But on the basis of righteousness, my righteousness is a person. God cannot say he will not forgive me. Now the other one is... Um, we being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? What's the righteousness of God? The righteousness of God is what I've explained to you. God's inability to declare sin not sin. He must judge sin. He must make sure the full penalty of sin is paid. So when you say that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what you are saying is that you are a proof. You are a sample if someone asks God, okay, God, show me your righteousness. God will no more point to his throne. God will not look for Pastor Kobe and point to him and say, okay, this is, this is my righteousness. You look for Pastor Papa and say, this is my righteousness. You look for Pastor, yeah, this is my righteousness. You look for Sandra. This is my righteousness. Your name just left. Albert. That's my righteousness. So you are the sample. You are the example. You are the expression of the righteousness of God. You are the expression that God is just. When they ask, God, where's your justice? Hey, this is that. That's my justice. That is why in the, in the world to come will be trophies of his grace. Trophies of, we are for show. We are, we are for God's show. Uh, hallelujah. 
Do you understand what I've just said to you? Say, I'm for God's show. So we are the proof and the examples and samples of God's righteousness. We are proof of what God did right. God did something right when it comes to us. What right thing did he do? He punished sin. And we are the result of that punishment of sin. We are the result of his justice. When you say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. All of the demons in heaven, on earth, under the earth. When I say in heaven, understand. Heavenly places. There are demons in heavenly places. There are different levels of heaven, please. Hallelujah. All of them see us as the righteousness of God. We are the show, the proof that God did something right. We are the proof of God's justice. When the devil starts accusing you, why have you forgotten? I'm the expression of God's righteousness. Go away. I'm the expression of God's righteousness. If by the disobedience of one, many were made sinners. By the obedience of one, are many made righteous. So we have become the righteousness of God. See, I'm the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. Do you understand that now? I'm the example. I'm the sample. I'm the proof of his justice. I'm the proof of the fact that God did something right. He's just and a justifier of all those who believe in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That is righteousness for you. Do you understand righteousness now? Great. Rise up on your feet and just thank God for what he has made you in Christ Jesus. Give him glory for what he has done. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. For prayer and counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at christworldinc.com. God bless you.